This morning, I'm going to preach from Hebrews chapter 1, first four verses. And if you would like to follow along in the Pew Bible, you turn to page 846, Hebrews chapter 1. I was on my way to church this morning, um, barely able to see out the windows. I would love to take any of you who would like to go to South Carolina, but unfortunately there's no place for you in my car. It's people and food and gifts. Um, but I was thinking, I was at least toying with the idea that I would love to gather for worship every Christmas morning, even if it's on a Tuesday. Pray about it with me. Just, there's just something about coming to, coming to church to worship on Christmas morning that feels so good and right. Um, the author of, of Hebrews writes this in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did any of you this morning for Christmas, get some device that you will use for communication. Anybody get anything? Yep, we have at least one person who got one. It's amazing if you think about how much communication technology has advanced over the years, isn't it? Imagine at one point the best that you could do is to write a letter and I guess send it with a courier somewhere. And you had a telegraph, maybe, that you could send somewhere. Um, anybody still have access to a fax machine? I'm pretty sure the only reason you use fax machines anymore is if you are an athlete signing your letter of intent. There's just not a lot of use for fax machines anymore. Then we had the rotary phones, and what was great and terrible about the rotary phones when you shared a landline is that everyone in the house if they were so inclined, could pick up somewhere and listen to what you were saying. And we grew up in the day, I grew up in the day where if you're going to talk to your girlfriend on the phone, the best you could do is hope for a long cord so you could get way away from everybody to talk. And then we got cell phones or cordless phones. I can remember the day that my sister pulled up in her new Honda Prelude and she had a bag phone in the car and I remember walking out there and like picking that thing like we've got to drive somewhere <laughs> and it's going to cost us $50 to talk to anybody but it's going to be awesome right this communication has just advanced and advanced and advanced and, and one of the ways that I felt the limitations of old communication methods was when I moved to South Africa for a year and a half to do mission work and at that point, the girl that I was interested in talking to the most lived in Mexico City. Now, you might imagine that there's not lots of calling plans between Cape Town, South Africa, and Mexico City. Not a lot of demand for those two groups of people to talk to each other. 
but I would buy phone cards. And I would get that phone card out, and you just somewhat prayed that the connection wouldn't drop. If the card cost $50, then like $49 was the connection fee. Right? You pick it up, and you call, boop, boop, and she might pick up. And then if the phone drops, it's like, all right, that was just $50, just burn, you know? And then we went to mission trips to South Africa, and I remember our first times that we took groups here from the church to South Africa, we would go over there and we had to buy calling cards for people to call back to their parents. And they had this thing that really, honestly, there's under the steps, there's a little, little pull-out door and you would go in there and sit down and you would dial your calling card and you pick up and talk to people back home. And I remember being amazed at the first trip that we took to South Africa, and it kind of all clicked to me after iPhones and Wi-Fi were there. And no more did you have to wonder about, you know, are we going to have calling cards, or are we going to get in the phone booth under the steps? But everybody just pulled out their phones, and what did they do? FaceTime! You just pick it up from Cape Town, and you just... FaceTime and people are talking to their parents and it's not just a voice it's not just letters but you can see the other person's face from across the ocean it's amazing at how communication has advanced over the years and every advancement seems to bring you closer to feeling like you're there with the person doesn't it closer to feeling like you can see their face and their expressions you can understand what they're feeling. They can understand how you're feeling. But nothing is as good as what? Same space and time. Nothing is as good as being in the same place at the same time with someone. That we are embodied people and the thing that our hearts long for more than anything is relationship with other people. Not mediated by phones or letters but for us to be in someone's presence, for us to see them and for them to see us. As I was planning for this sermon this week, one of the things that struck me is that you and I often take for granted, I think, the fact that God speaks to us. That God speaks to us. That you and I are not people who worship a God that we lock ourselves in some um, room and we think and we pray and we strive and we reach and we try to figure out how we can ever get up to or understand who God is. But we worship a God who by his very nature loves to communicate with us. And he does it in lots of ways. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the what? The glory of God. In Romans chapter 1, Paul would say, we're without excuse if we don't worship God because everywhere that we look and everywhere that we turn, we ought to see all that God's created and say, wow! We worship this creator who made all of these things just by doing what? Speaking. He said, let there be light, and there was. And everything was brought into existence through the power of God's word. God speaks to us in all that we see. The technical term for that, here's your, here's your theology class for the day, 
It's general revelation. It just means everybody gets to see this. Christian and non-Christian alike can walk out and look at creation. And have you done that before? Have you ever walked out and seen something that was so beautiful that all you could really do is just stand there in silence? If you haven't, you should go to Cape Town. One of those places of just incredible natural beauty and you think, oh wow, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. There's nothing like this. And you drive down the road and you say, maybe there is. Like, There's another thing. And we go to those places and one of the favorite expressions I've heard one pastor said, you don't go to the Grand Canyon and look in a mirror, do you? Be preposterous. You go into these beautiful places in creation and you look and you stand in awe and amazement at who God is and what he's done. That God is speaking to us through creation. And the writer of Hebrews says that God has spoken to us in what other way? Long ago, at many times and in many ways, he spoke to us through the whom? The prophets. He spoke to us, our forefathers, through the prophets. And if you just kind of did this run through the Old Testament in your mind, you would think of all these different figures that God raised up. And a prophet is just someone who takes God's word to God's people. So God speaks to the prophet, and the whole purpose is for the prophet to then take God's word and deliver it to God's people. There is this intermediary between God who speaks and the people who listen. Think of Moses on Mount Sinai, probably. Moses went up Mount Sinai, he received the Ten Commandments, God's law, he goes down, he delivers it to the people. Maybe you think about Isaiah. I I think pretty soon we're going to do an Isaiah sermon series. Not all 66 chapters, don't worry, but important parts. And Isaiah, his prophecy is just filled with these beautiful messages of who God is and all that God's done for us. And so often the message is, hey, repent and turn back to the Lord. Proclaiming judgment when they don't. But at every point along the way, every prophetic book has this in common. There's always a message of hope and restoration. That it's in God's nature to pursue us. And even when we're disobedient, even when we don't always listen and respond like we should, God can't help himself. He continues in his steadfast love toward us, pursuing us and speaking and speaking and speaking. Have you ever spoken to someone who wouldn't listen and you just gave up? Probably. All the parents are like, amen. Well, yeah, you speak and you speak and you speak and sometimes you just think, I'm out. I'm done. And when you get this this chasm between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is a season of silence. We don't see or read of God speaking to his people. And then the writer of Hebrews says, in these last days, God has done what through his son, Jesus Christ? He's spoken to us. In these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And the really remarkable thing about about Jesus is that 
He's the prophet who's also the word. John would say that he um, became flesh and dwelt among us. So that in the clearest way possible, God came to speak to his people. It's like going from the bag phone to the iPhone. But the prophets were good. The Old Testament law and everything that we read there is good and helpful and God reveals himself. But now you and I get to live in this era of God's salvation history where we get to to see the fulfillment of all the promises in the person of Jesus. And one of the things that God's been impressing upon me, at least during this Advent season, is that I ought to be more grateful to be able to live in these last days that I've gotten to see through the pages of Scripture the fulfillment of all that God had been saying all this time. And what did God say to us in Jesus? What's he said to us in Jesus? Well, one, I think he says um, something that you and I might think of as bad news, that we can't save ourselves. That you and I aren't able in our own power, in our goodness, in our will to, to take the law and to obey it well enough on our own. Have you tried that? I have. January's coming. Some of you are going to make New Year's resolutions. This is a good time to sell gym memberships. There is this desire in us and we think, I'm going to get it right this year. I'm going to try harder this year. I'm going to be better this year. I'm not going to be mean to that person. I am going to read my Bible. I'm going to do all these things and it lasts until maybe February if you're lucky. And you run out of resolve. And the same thing is true for us in our desire to respond faithfully to God's word at every point. We are not able in our own strength to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so one thing that God has said to us in Jesus is, you cannot do this on your own. Another thing he said to us in Jesus is that I love you so much that I'm willing to come and to humble myself and to take on flesh. Think about that for a minute. The second person of the Trinity was born as a baby. We hear some babies around us this morning, don't we? Helpless. Dependent. Not born in the nicest birth and suite in Birmingham. Born in a stall. And he comes to us in Jesus and he says, Though I am high and exalted and lifted up, I dwell among those who are lowly and humble of heart. He says to us in Jesus that it's not our righteousness, it's not our ability, it's not our zeal, it's not how good we are, all the things that we've done. And it's also that the fact that there's nothing that we've done bad that disqualifies us. Some of us have a hard time hearing the good news of Jesus because we think that we're so bad. That there's no way that we can be reconciled to the Father. And one of the most beautiful things about reading 
about Jesus' ministry is that Jesus was drawn to what type of people? Do you remember? He was drawn to all the people that you and I might look past. He was drawn to the woman at the well. He was drawn to tax collectors like Matthew. He was drawn to people who were climbing up trees like Zacchaeus, just looking for him. And in Jesus, God so clearly says to us that my love for you is so great for all of you that I would come and be made like you so that I might ultimately go to the cross on your behalf. God's message to us in Jesus is that we cannot save ourselves. His message to us in Jesus is that he loves us so much that he would come and humble himself and become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This tool of Roman torture and shame. Slain on a cross, likely with no clothes on, humiliated in every way, and he did that so that you and I might be reconciled to the Father. On this Christmas morning, I hope for you and I hope for me that that saying that Jesus is the best gift we could ever receive would be more than a platitude, more than just something we kind of muster up and we're like, Jesus is the best gift, we all know that. Where's my iPhone? But that in our hearts, that God would continually do this work in us, that we would see Jesus as the best gift that he could ever give us, and that this year, oh, my hope for us, is that we grow in our love and appreciation for Christ and we're filled with such joy that we do indeed go and share that news with everybody. And we say, hey, here's the good news of all God's done for us in Jesus. Guess what? You can't save yourself. Bad news. Good news. God has done everything to reconcile you to the Father through the gift of his Son. And all we do is respond in faith. So Merry Christmas. God has spoken to us in the person of his son. And the writer of Hebrews says, listen to what he has said. Don't neglect this great salvation that God has given us in Jesus. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. And we pray that you would increasingly make us into a people who listen that we would listen to all that you've said to us in Jesus and that we would respond in faith and love, that we would yield ourselves to your plans and your purposes, that we would find such joy in you, that we would leverage everything you've given to us, everything that you've entrusted to us so that more people might experience this eternal and this abundant life that comes through faith in Jesus. We pray, Lord, even as we look to next year, that you would Make us into a people who understand more clearly what you've said and that we would value you, Lord Jesus, above all things. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here for worship on Christmas morning. I don't know if Kelly did this just as a kindness to me, um, but we're going to sing Go Tell on the Mountain, which... I don't mind telling you, is my favorite Christmas song of all time. Um, 
I don't agree with our associate minister, Mark Rector. The other day I said, Mark, joy to the world or go tell on the mountain? Which was better? He's like, I think joy to the world. It's okay to be wrong. We're going to sing. It's a good song, Mark. It's a good song. But we're going to sing Go Tell on the Mountain. And I hope that you are filled with a sense of joy that you do indeed want to go and share the good news of what God's done for us in Christ. I invite you to stand as we sing our closing hymn.